The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yes, Barbara Scully was with me on the soapbox uh, yesterday talking about uh, life really beginning in your 50s and 60s. Today, Emer O'Neill, the broadcaster, is on the soapbox uh, to talk broadly, Emer, about immigration. And it strikes me actually that, I mean, to talk even about immigrants, it, it's a it's a disparate group. Like lots of people fall into that category. Literally, even like as you and I are speaking, you're like, hold on, I'm a, I'm an immigrant. Well, I yes, I migrated here as a six month old from Scotland. Right, I'm an immigrant. There you go. Not in my town. Ireland is full. Get you know, out, Kieran. And I suppose it's kind of it, language. We were talking about language is really important and understanding what our words mean. Um, because I think we're broadly using the word immigrant a lot at the moment. It's kind of just this blanket statement of immigrants. When really, if we're talking about immigrants, we are talking about people who have generally made a conscious decision to move to a place, to, let's say, Ireland, with a new life in mind to seek permanent residency. And when you think of the immigrants of Ireland, you know, you look, even if you look at our healthcare system, you know, it's 40% or more uh, of our doctors are immigrants. Mm. You know, we we actually, we'd fall, as a country, we'd fall to our knees without immigrants. And it's used nearly as, as a dirty word at the moment. Um, and I think it's important that we kind of like, we, we scale back on that and, and realise the difference between an immigrant, a, a migrant, the difference between a refugee and an asylum seeker. Um, and when we talk about, I suppose, refugees, we have people that are in need of safety. They are not choosing to leave their countries. They are being forced out of necessity because of the fear of war, because of a fear of, you know, unjust political systems or death or human trafficking, whatever it may be. Mm. Um, and the refugees, I suppose, that terminology comes because they have gone, I suppose, legally through a legal frame to to have a status of a refugee. Yeah. And the then Ukrainians a, being the obvious yes, example. Refugees. And then asylum seekers, it's not that one is better than the other or that, you know, because I think we use these words as kind of they're scaremongering tactics in a way. But an asylum seeker is the same as a refugee without the legal status just yet, but generally will reside in a place to try and get that refugee, you mm. know, status. Um, but again it's it's the use of our language and our words without understanding the meaning behind them. So I like one of the things I suppose tonight, I just really wanted to to talk about us ensuring that we're educating ourselves and that we are seeking information and the truth. Um, you hear a lot, misinformation and disinformation has been thrown around a lot mm. lately and in conjunction with the far right. Um, and you know, there's a difference again too between those two words. Yeah. When we talk about misinformation, it is information that's not correct necessarily, but not being produced in a harmful way or for a harmful reason. But the disinformation, which more so is connected, I suppose, with the far right, is with an agenda. Yeah. You know, there's an agenda behind that information that's falsely being pushed because, it, you know, a propaganda, yeah. political. Well, one, yeah. one sometimes leads to the other, isn't it? Like, as in yeah, the, kind of. It starts maybe in one place. and It starts as disinformation, but then some people are, are spreading it as misinformation. Exactly. You know, they, Unbeknownst they, they to themselves. 
exactly. And like, and, you know, I put my hand up myself for many areas, you know, like even tonight, even talking about immigration and refugees and asylum seekers. At the end of the day, when you scale it back, it comes back to human rights and you feel kind of crap talking about it when you know what's going on in Palestine. You're thinking to yourself, where where can we even have a space to talk about this issue that we're having in our homeland when you have such issues going on elsewhere. It, it's it's so difficult. Mm. Um, but again, it goes with the knowledge and trying to gain the knowledge. Like I put up a post on my Instagram and I said, you know, ceasefire, free Palestine. And loads of comments came in then about, you know, what about you know, mass murder, what about rape, what about Israel, what about, you know, and there are so many aspects to, to that and everything is quite complex as well as what's going on here in Ireland. It mm. is complex. At the end of the day, it is complex. It's, n- it's just not as, as simple as we would wish for it to be. But it, we can, I, I think at times, put blame in places where it's not necessary uh, instead of scaling it back to a humanitarian level. And... Uh, it, it's interesting you talk about this because yesterday on the show we were speaking to um, a, a counsellor who talked about, you know, again, it was immigrants was was the, the, the language used yeah. and about, you know, waiting lists and people on trolleys mm. uh, in the hospital in Mayo. And mm. uh, and I, I put it to him that, you know, there's an awful lot of those same immigrants are working in the hospital. And, and right. listen, I, I, I do want to assume for a moment to, to know what he was thinking. But from my point of view, talking to him, I got the sense he hadn't thought about them in those terms. When he's yeah. talking about immigrants, he didn't, yeah. he wasn't talking about the nurses and doctors inside yeah. the hospital. Exactly. He was talking about the people clogging up the waiting exactly. room. Like I'm saying, the 40 plus percent of our doctors that without them being here as immigrants trained in other countries, mm. those trolleys would be a lot fuller. Yeah. You know, and like you, you also kind of scale it back. I think of the Googles, the Amazons, like, why do they set up shop here in Ireland? There's a lot of reasons, right? But will they keep coming and will they be able to staff these businesses when this common rhetoric of immigrants out, not welcome here? Because again, that blanket statement, it touches so many different areas and people yes. without you even necessarily well, uh, acknowledging if, that. If you look at visas broken down by, by area of work as they're issued in Ireland per year, health actually comes in second. I think number one is kind of broadly communications, which is people working in the likes of Google and Facebook and call centres and that type of thing mm-hmm. as well. People who are coming to this country to work for those companies, those are all immigrants as they well. Are. But when people are kind of given out on the pickets in Ross Grey and Emsart, not thinking they're, about not, they're not thinking about them. Correct. They're not even thinking about the asylum seeker who became a refugee and is working in the local business, they're, in their mind, they're thinking about the freeloader. Absolutely. And we, we talked a little bit about this the last time I was on um, about the children that are, you know, witnessing all of this right mm. now as refugees, as asylum seekers um, that, you know, potentially will become permanent residents in our country, will become Irish citizens. And you kind of think, you know, with what happened in Ross Grey, I know one of the one of the statements made was that there were children, you know, crying, you know, mm. really affected by what was happening to them as they get off a bus trying to go to what is their new home. And we, we spoke about that. Like, how does that affect a child, uh, that, that child that may in turn in 10 years time or even sooner consider themselves to be an, an Irish 
person, an Irish citizen. How does that look in 30 years time? Where does that immig- immigration, you know, the trauma of that, the generational trauma of immigration, mm. wh- where does that, that lie? And what does that look like for us as a country? And, and, you know, we have to either side of us two countries that have gone through all of this and are still going through all of this. I wonder what can we take from them to learn? And instead of putting out fires to be you know, not, you know, what is the word I'm thinking of? Try and stop it before the issues mm. arise, you know, be proactive in in what we're trying to do to ensure that kind of cultural um, integration in a positive way. I can understand the fears of Irish people. And when you have people who are struggling, are not having their voices heard, um, you know, day to day, unsure of housing, employment, y- you know, it's very easy for scaremongering to come in. You want somebody to blame. Yeah. You know, and actually, on the, sorry to cut across to you, but no. it just strikes me as well that, um, you know, the environment, as febrile as it feels now, I just wonder how much worse it can get because it, yeah. it's it's an employee's market out there. You know, if you want a job, there's jobs out there. I've yeah. often remarked on this show, a friend of mine yeah. who says, you'll get a job in the pharmaceutical sector if you send in your CVs. And you spell pharmacy with an F. You know what I mean? That, that's just the situation at the moment. And, and uh, people kind of with memories of 2009 when the economy fell off a cliff will remember how different it was. And the economy doesn't necessarily have to fall off a cliff, but if jobs become less scarce or more scarce rather yeah. and less plentiful, I mean, if you think it's bad now, yeah, well, it I get mean, worse. Funnily enough, although the common rhetoric is that there aren't enough jobs there, the problem is actually there are a lot of jobs that are not being fulfilled. We don't have enough people yeah. to actually, you know, be in a position to, you know, actually take on these roles. I think it's a fact sometimes that there are jobs that people don't want to do. And if we're being honest with ourselves, when we look around in our country and it because it's not only carers, it's not only, you know, certain specific roles mm. that you know, immigrants come and and do jobs here for us, but um, they are a lot of it. And a lot of the time, those people that are looking after our loved ones, they are the people that are doing the jobs that our Irish people don't want to do and are not doing. And without, I, I mean, that population of people, I think we, like, we obviously, I don't think, yeah. we know, we would struggle. We wouldn't be the country that we are today. In, in terms of kind of, People having genuine grievance. And, and I talked about a man on the show yesterday who I'd listened to on Pat Kenny, who had, who had a kind of a long list of genuine grievances. And then on top of it, he started to talk about, you know, but these immigrants coming over here and they don't work and they're spongers. And I said, you know, that's kind of a, it's almost a perfect example of the problem you have where you've got kind of misinformation absolutely. locked up. And I'm sure he yeah. said it because he absolutely believes it. I know. Yeah. Because someone said it to him. Exactly. And it, and it sounded right. It yeah. makes sense. It does sound right. But actually, statistically, uh, refugees pay. A, a lot in tax in taxes. They're actually on high on a higher scale of the Irish population in terms of paying tax. It's not stuff that we know, but if you seek and search for that information, yeah. you know it is documented there. Then, it's probably a bit much. I wonder sometimes to expect people to go out and seek this themselves or yeah. to kind of look for second sources when they hear information. I mean, there's a. There's an onus, there's an onus on the media, I guess, to yeah. correct misinformation. There's point. an onus on politicians yeah. as well. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, you're, you're not right. You're, you're, there's one you're, politician you're, who's talking about, you know, Leo Varadkar taking instruction from 
the World Economic Forum and colonisation yeah. and this type of thing. Yeah, but like you're you're dead right. And I think that is why there is a need for a broadcast, a campaign of actual factual, statistically and data-based information for us as Irish people that is easily accessible to us all to stop that dis and misinformation from spreading. That is really what is needed, I think, for us to be educated. Because like you said, it is easier to hear something and go and run with it. Uh, It is difficult to seek out information when you have thousands of posts being generated by, you know, far right agitators and trying to have, you know, this kind of rhetoric of, putting blame on immigrants, on refugees, on asylum seekers at the end of the day. But I think really and truly it's us, we we do, we need to hold our government accountable. We need to hold our TDs, our ministers, our local councillors accountable. We need to, to do those work, write yeah. those emails, you know, get in touch, do do protests. But, you know, I think we're at a, in a very kind of dark place in terms of what our protesting has become. Like watching yeah. the scenes in Ross Grey, it was scary. And those things that we, have, I think, have seen to be so distant from us in Ireland, a country where our guards don't need guns because it's just that safe, you know, that we have freedom of speech and freedom as in, as in terms of human rights. You know, we're slowly creeping closer and closer to these places that were once on our screens and in our media, but now are, you know, 10 kilometres down the road. Yeah. Um this is, I suspect, the topic of 2024. So, you know, we'll be talking about it uh, again. Um, it's been really interesting chatting to you about it. Um, you've got an event this Friday, though, I know you want to mention. That's right. Yeah, we actually have an event in the Epic Museum. Um, it is, it's sponsored by the Department of Children and Disability Integrate, Integration. Um, and it's dealing basically with a panel. So I'm going to be... Um, moderating a panel of guests that have grown up in industrial schools here in Ireland uh, and in mother and baby homes. And and it's all about their venture to try and find their African roots. And I think it's really interesting and in a sense ties in. But, you know, in the 40s and 60s um, here in Ireland, we had campaigns to help decolonise Africa when, you know, con- when, con- when free yeah. states and countries were presenting themselves to bring them to Ireland, medical students. They studied in Trinity College here and then, you know, forth brought that information back to Africa, you know, but ultimately left children Mm. behind in some circumstances. So we have the likes of Jude Hughes, um, Conrad's, we have... um, there was actually uh, the search is a was um, an RTE documentary and it, we're going to open we're going to kick off the event with playing some of that but it is all about that um, finding their African roots uh, very very interesting and I think again just a lovely beautiful side of our culture that uh, you yeah. know that I hope we can investigate um, more as as we as we kind of progress as a culturally diverse country. It's in uh, the Epic Museum this Friday, January 19th. Uh, if you want to find out any information uh, about it, it is happening with the Association of uh, Mixed Race Irish Members, as I was described. Anyway, it's all got to do with that RTE documentary, The Search. And Emer, of course, is uh, an RTE presenter and activist. Emer, listen, it's been a pleasure. Cheers, Kieran. Thank Thanks you. a million uh, for speaking to us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.